Uh, welcome back to the Cape Verse podcast. Um, I'm the one and only Thomas. Um, <laughs> such a generic name to follow up with one and only. Isn't it? The one and only. John Smith. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and with me, unfortunately, is my co-host, uh, my better host, um, my life partner, Louis. Hello. Hello. Uh, this week we're um, we're talking about uh, Fantastic Beasts, aren't we, Louis? Yeah, not like makes... not like uh, mythical creatures. We're talking about the films Fantastic Beasts. Uh, we're not going to just be talk about our favorite oh, Fantastic Beasts. We, we we could have like an like a top ten ranking we do of like the best mythical beasts ever. Yeah, we yeah. could. How about we focus up on this episode, Louis, and we'll we can think about that one when we get to it. This is that's what this is what we'll have to do. But... We've we've just started this episode. Let's let's stick to this episode for the time being. How about that? Like a fucking crack. Um, but yeah. So, uh, yeah. Today we're talking about Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. As well as Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Um, doesn't really roll off the tongue, that second title, does it? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I like Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. It just, it, 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 yeah. The second one. I, I'm i a strong believer that the first film, Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, should have been its own thing. And then the next film is like a new franchise where yeah. Dumbledore's the main character and yeah. you call it the Wizarding War, uh, the subtitle, the Crimes of Grindelwald or whatever. You don't have, you don't need Newt's Commander. You don't need any of that shit. You just, yeah, a little prequel films with Dumbledore. Because um, like I remember, like I remember the first time I watched the first film, I kind of like I watched it. I was like, oh, this is cool, but what are they? What are they gonna do? Like I know they've obviously got Grindelwald and stuff like that, but it's just like. Newt's not like the most <laughs> solid main guy, and then if yeah, you push him off halfway through a trilogy, it's weird. It's 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 strange because have you um do you remember much of the marketing around this film back when it first came out? Um, you might have to jog my memory, but um, that's absolutely fine because I'm I'm a weird person who um I just judge stop. my just life. Full, full stop. Just that's yeah, what you that's it. That's it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I like judge my life by like what movies were out at the time. So I'm like, oh, well, it must, it must have been this year because Thor: The Dark World was out. <laughs> yeah. You're I, I, more and more like the Riddler from uh, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a weird, creepy movie based incel. Yeah. How fucking dare you? <laughs> Anyways. Um, Round about like 2016, there was like this new sort of like regenerated hype for the Harry Potter universe, and they rebranded it the Wizarding World, um, in in the same vein that like the Marvel Cinematic Universe had a name, um, the Dark Universe had a name, the Monster Universe had a name. They were like, well, if we're gonna if we're gonna make this a cinematic universe with games and a play and all this stuff, then we should brand it with its own name. So they called it the Wizarding World. Um, and the, the I think the play got released in 2016, although I, I like the actual book was published in 2016. I don't know when it went 
to the West End. I don't know when it went into when when it went into theaters. I think what it was maybe the, the year after. What do you mean? No, the the play. Sorry, the the uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. But it yeah. came out round about. I think it was like twenty sixteen. I think the book was published. Um. I think the yeah I think the book was published in like June, and then the play started in July or something like that. Like they published it before yeah. the play came out. And then the play came out around about the same time that the first fantastic fantastic fucking hell. The first Fantastic Beast film came out. So you got these two big Harry Potter titles in the same year. And one of the big marketing pushes they did for Fantastic Beasts and where to find them was all the stuff about you can see the American culture of the Wizarding World. Um which which we don't. Dull, we don't see the culture. We'll get into that in a bit. Um, but we uh, we don't see, see the culture at all. That's that's, yeah, you, you yeah. see an office and a speakeasy. They basically went, what about if the 1920s was just a little bit more magical? Less depression, <laughs> more goblins. Um, <laughs> but the uh, a big push was the fact that on her Pottermore website, as it was called at the time, where she posted, she would, um, she, J.K. Rowling, um, we're not gonna we're not gonna get into she a controversial. Sure that you call her a she. She has to. <laughs> <laughs> she'll she'll get very annoyed at that. She, she won't accept anything else. <laughs> uh, we're not gonna touch on her politics. Um, uh, but I, it's um, all all women are women. If you identify as a woman, you're a woman. I think that's that's all we have to really say there. Um, She's also not that good of a writer. Anyway, so... <laughs> no, no, no. She's, no, no, no. She's a good writer. She just can't build a world. She just can't no, no, build no, a No, it's the exact day. opposite. She is, she's got a big imagination for a big world, but when it comes to telling a story, it's very, like... We'll get into it when we do a Harry Potter episode. But she, um, she's got a lot of imagination, but her story and writing style is very limited. Um, she does have a lot of imagination, she... but like to to create like a world, you need consistency, and she just doesn't have consistency. Do you know what I mean? Like, she's, yeah, like, yeah, she's she... contradictions like after the film, yeah, like... and she's she's always retconning stuff and always trying to make everything fit. <laughs> anyway, anyway, oh, anyway, 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 anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so J.K. Rowling and her terrible politics aside, she she was promoting this film on the back of America. It has its own wizarding culture and you're going to get to see it. So she would post little, at the time, canon short stories detailing the history of the wizarding world in America. Did she? And the Yes, she did. And I think a lot of it has been removed now. Um, I can't find it. The, the part of my website has <laughs> so changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, was all, it was all deeply... Uh, the first letter of every sentence actually spelled out, I hate trans people. <laughs> that was, it was weird. It was weird. <laughs> Um, oh, someone could clip that and use that. <laughs> I, I don't hate trans people. So she, yeah, she posted these stories about the Ilvermorny, um school for, for wizards and witchcraft, whatever it's called. And it was the Americans. I'm like, I'm doing okay. <laughs> we'll get through this. We'll get through it. 
Um, I'm going to look it up. Yeah, Ilvermorny was the name of the school. It's uh, America's answer for Hogwarts. It's not as old is it as like Hogwarts. A big grand building, or is it just like a little? Um, is it like... Well, we never, we never see it. They posted a picture of it on the. I think it's now called the Wisdom World website, and they posted like the the coat of arms. And the idea was that the the housing ceremony was you go into a room and these four statues would pick you. And depending on who you were, the statue, if two statues, it was like, it was like the voice or something where two, where like you'd, you'd, they'd have to vote for which house wanted you. And then the statues, if two statues, like both wanted you, they'd have to like fight it out or you got to pick which house you went to or whatever. Like that sounds kind of cool, but like it sounded kind of cool. And that was a part of the push was you were going to see this wisdom world. Now, do you remember Ilvermorny in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them? Thomas, as a matter of fact, I don't. Yeah, it's it's funny that because it <laughs> it is never in that first film. <laughs> well, you don't see any young people, in, like you don't ever you don't see like a young community. Which which I like. Um, I I hate young people. Um, you love young people, don't you? Though? I thought you loved that. <laughs> oh, you <fuck. laughs> um, but yeah, so they uh, they mer- they reference it once. Um, they have a brief back and forth, Queenie, Newt, and Tina about what the best wisdom school is, and Newt okay. says Hogwarts, obviously, and the others say Ilvermorny, which again implies that every country only has one school for witchcraft and wizardry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but seriously, right? Population must be fucking abysmal if they've only got one school for the whole. Well, they're all weird, pure blood incest people, aren't they? So only half of them make it through the first three years of their life. <laughs> yeah, most, most of them die <laughs> off by the time they get there. And fucking syphilis, but... <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm just, I'm just looking it up now because I'm trying to see if I can find the exact history. I'm pretty sure... I don't know if any of this is still canon because like I said, the Pottermore website changed a bunch. They renamed it and a lot of the short prose that she wrote on that was like... People got excited because it was new canon to that universe. It was, this was the first Harry Potter stuff she'd written since the last book, um, which came out in like 2008 or 2009, something like that. Um, so people were getting excited that J.K. Rowling, who said she'd never touch this universe again, was now doing a prequel and a sequel at the same time. Um, Cursed Child kind of got some bad press, but you know, it's still, it's still, I think it's still running now, isn't it? Cursed Child? Yeah. Do you know what, like, so, so we actually went down to London to see it, me, Thomas, and our friend Lauren. Um, and I, I'm not gonna lie, like it, it wasn't bad, but it was just just a little bit disappointing. Like, it's... to spend all that money to go down, and like it's it's an okay story, but like I think I think what's good about it. Actors were a bit. I think they, they didn't yeah, so... the best actors. The actor who played Harry wasn't great, but I think what's good about it and what I really enjoyed is the the practical effects they use to portray the magic. Oh, and I yeah, think, yeah, yeah, the bookcase, yeah. the time travel effect, the um, yeah. the Dementors flying through the crowd, because we had quite good seats as well, didn't we? Oh yeah, excellent seats. We were like high up, dead in the center, best view of the whole thing. It was it was quite nice, and there were the cheaper seats as well. So that was funny. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, this is completely unrelated, but I think when you're reading the play, the actual story, which wasn't written by J.K. Rowling, she signed off on the concept 
um, but she wasn't writing it. She was writing Fantastic Beasts. So it was two other people came in, uh, Jack Horn and someone else. Um, they came in and they wrote um, the actual play itself, which is why the, the story and the continuity doesn't quite line up because a lot of it is just elements that they remember from the films, probably, <laughs> and then they've carried over to the books. Um, it was all very and hard. we'll probably, I think Warner Brothers bought the rights to the play. So eventually they filmed it back when it first came out at the end of its first initial run. They filmed it and it'll probably get put on HBO Max at some point, the same way Hamilton was put on Disney+. And then eventually in like 10, 15, 20 years, they will do a movie of it. I do want to see a movie of it. Genuinely, I do want to see a movie of it. Um, I think you I you take that... Yeah, I think they'd, they'd change a bunch of stuff, probably. They'd tighten some storylines up. Um, they'd, they'd... Until Daniel Radcliffe gets a bit older, Hermione Granger. Yeah, and, he, but then, and but then he's... that's the issue. Then that's the issue, well, because, he... like, if you do, like, if you do bring back old cast, if it's Cross Child, right, like, the stance that they had on Hermione being a black female actor. Yeah, but the I mean? fact that, but the fact that, you know, um, Emma Watson played the character in the original films, if she then came back to reprise the role, I don't think anyone's yeah. going to be like, oh, well, this isn't right, because she, no, you know, she's, I, she's, I it's following on. I think there would be a kick up somewhere, though. I, I think like, that, I... I think there would be more uproar if they brought back Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grint, but then recast Emma Watson. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you, you, I, I think they will just if they ever did it. I think they would just try and get the core three, and if they couldn't get the core three, they'd recast them all, and they'd probably cast a black actress. Um, but I, I think that the most, the most sort of, the worst part about that whole situation is that they didn't just come out and go, well, you know, we're just mix, we're just mixing it up because you know why not have a more diverse cast? You know, they were like, no, no, no. I've always implied that Hermione could be black. When in like one of the books, it says Hermione's pale face. So it's like, don't try and lie. Just say, oh, we're making a change. You know, we want a more diverse cast instead of being like, actually, she was always black. Like, no, shut up. That's don't do that. But anyway, so (laughs) J.K. Rowling, such a lovely person. (laughs) But Cursed Child was coming out the same year and you had Fantastic Beasts. And there was a, I remember there was a lot of excitement for this because here she is, you got a prequel, you got a sequel, um, the world's getting expanded and there's all this talk of, well, maybe other characters might get like spin-offs. Maybe we'll see like a Marauders show. Maybe we'll see this, maybe we'll see that. And I think uh, I think like last year, HBO Max said that they were working on a TV series set in the Wisdom world. There's been no update on it, but who knows, maybe it's a Marauders thing. But I remember there was a lot of excitement that we were going to see the American side of the Wisdom world. And we absolutely do not. Yeah. We, we see um, I mean, we, like, effectively, right? And I'm not, I'm not even kidding. All we really see is 1920s New York. That's it. That's it. Like, and what's so interesting is in the Harry Potter series and the books and the films, uh, Diagon Alley is like the, the sort of main section of the Wisdom World. It's sort of like the capital. Gringotts Bank's there, the main bank of the Wisdom World and all that shit. It's their big capital, and it is in a secret alleyway that only wizards can access. And it sort of lives in like a little bit of like pocket dimension space almost. Mm. 
when they get to America, when they get to New York, there's none of that. The main office building is like just on a regular street in New York. The speakeasy they go to is just in like a regular New York alley. It's just regular buildings on regular streets and there's no like secret alleyway, there's no like magic stuff. Anyone could just find that shit. Anyone could just walk in. You could like walk past the alleyway, see that picture move and go, oh fuck, what the fuck's that? So it's so weird that there's a big emphasis in this first movie about, oh, we can't be discovered by the wizards because it will cause another war, which is interesting. You sort of get a bit more history as like what was going on between muggles and humans, which you never really get in the Harry Potter series. Muggles and humans? So there's... Fuck me, commit. Muggles and humans. <laughs> you had a fucking mare there. <laughs> muggles wizards and magic muggles. folk. Yeah. Uh, well, wizards is actually sexist because there's wizards and witches, Louis. I was and by J.K. Rowling, there is only wizards and witches. Call <laughs> 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 a non binary witch or wizard. Um, well, J.K. Rowling wouldn't call them anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. In that universe, it just doesn't exist. She'd call them a really derogatory name. Mudblood, probably. She'd go for mudblood. Yeah, I mean that's effectively what it was, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's so it's so wild. To, it, let's not get into that. Um, so, what I think is interesting is that there is more emphasis on there's tension. They they are much more concerned about being exposed. You know, probably because it's so much easier to be exposed when you just live in a regular street, but whatever. Um, They're like very like, oh, if anything gets out, it's going to cause another riot. It's going to cause another war and we're going to have muggles hunting us again. Um, So I find it really interesting that that Newt Scamander has to go through just regular customs. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't like teleport like all wizards can. He has to go, he has to get his bags checked and like go yeah, through security. Like, that was a really weird part of like the second one as well. Like on that sort of topic, like they do like they revoke his license or his like <laughs> yeah. to go. Like so he has to use a port key. Can work. Yeah. Like so. They, oh my god! It's, it's just so bizarre because it's like okay, so if he if he has a license to travel internationally. Does, is that the same as a passport? In which case, like, does that mean all wizards, when they're traveling internationally, have to go through customs? Or for some reason or another, he specifically had to go through the American customs? Like, they don't explain it. Like, these are wizards who can teleport anywhere. And yet he has and to get do. his bags checked from getting off a boat. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? And it's also, he has a little button that can switch his case to muggle safe or something like that yeah where you open the suitcase up and it just has yeah Yeah. now what's really weird is a big plot point of that first movie is a bunch of animals escape his case by accident why doesn't he just keep the case muggle safe the whole time until he needs to go down yeah yeah like why does he just keep it because obviously when it's in muggle mode there's no act because it just it's like it cuts off access to the the magic stuff. So, why did you just keep it like that all the time? Because you, you've seen throughout the movie, the Niffler keeps trying to get out, keeps trying to squeeze out the briefcase, turn yeah. it to Muggle mode, see, it can't get out. See, I think that's like, I, I think that just shines again on like the weirdness of the first movie compared to the three. Because 
the first one really is just him trying to find the animals. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, actually, I know some other bits tied in, but like, <laughs> well, the first movie is actually two separate movies, kind of just existing next to each other. Because you got yeah. one movie of Newt Scamander trying to go around the city and collect these animals that have gotten loose. There's another movie where Grindelwald, um, disguised as Mr. Graves, um, is trying to capture a little girl that he thinks is this super powerful magical being that he can use to win this war that he's setting up. And in order to do that, um, uh, sorry, at the same time as that, Tina is investigating these Salemers and is trying to win back her title as, as an aura. So there's like two separate movies. You've got the kind of weird Mr. Graves stuff, and then you've got Newt Scamander. And Newt Scamander's story has nothing to do with Mr. Graves. And it's just so bizarre, right? Like, it's just the weirdest way to start a film. Like, even most films, when they start a trilogy, like, even if it, do- if, even if it doesn't even resemble what the final product's going to be, there's usually, like, a crossing point. But this kind of just doesn't... It just doesn't feel <laughs> it, like Newt's meant to be there. It's just like he's Mr. B gets... bumbling through a fucking... Yeah, it gets right to the end, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, I need to go fight Brindlewald." <laughs> <You're> like, what? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. And it was um, Dumbledore that sent him all along. Yeah, yeah. Dumbledore was yeah. actually—he didn't send him directly. He was like, "Oh, if you go to a certain place, you'll find a bird, and then you'll want to take that bird to Arizona." But to get to Arizona, instead of teleporting like all wizards can do, you'll go through customs, and by going through customs, you'll happen upon, you'll stumble into. A weird Second Salem preachy rally thing that will then make you swap cases with someone by mistake. That will then lead you to this big quest where you have to get all your animals and then accidentally you will discover there's an Obscurus in that area. Dumbledore, just, he must be able to see the future of some shit because there's a lot of stuff that gets him into that adventure that couldn't have been yeah. predicted by Dumbledore. No, I, I think, right, I think Dumbledore just doesn't have a fucking clue what's going on at the time. And then he just takes, he just takes, like, he, he just, he takes credit for Wild it. stabs you know I mean? in the like, dark. Oh, yeah, I meant that. That's, yeah, what well, he's, he's, he's got about 50 people that he's just said, oh, what about if you go to, like, France or... Germany's good this time of year, and it's just loads of different witches and wizards going all out. And then one, one in about a hundred thousand come back and actually goes, "Oh, Dumbledore, it's actually obscure." So he's like, "Well, t- why did you think I send you there? Why, why do you think I put you in?" There? He's he's sending a bunch to China. He's sending a bunch to Australia, and then he happened to find Grindelwald in New York, and he's come back and he's like, "You knew I'd find it, didn't you?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, that was my plan all along." <laughs> Fuck, he, he was in New York the whole... Oh, no, I knew, I know, I knew he was in New York. He definitely... He's I need to message some people. He's, he's killed thousands of people just by dysentery going to these foreign lands. Yeah. <laughs> he's, they're oh, like, Dumbledore, are you sure I should get embroiled in this drug trafficking that's going on in, in North America? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it'd be fine, it'd be fine. What about this sex trafficking ring you've got me in... Um, in Singapore, do you think I should be in this? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure Grindelwald's there, definitely. Oh, oh he's in New York. Oh. Oh, shit. Um, mate. Stay down there. Bring me back up to the <laughs> Dumbledore, you're not replying to my owls. Should I still stay in the sex trafficking ring? Dumbledore, you, it's, it's been Red. a few months. <laughs> <Left over laughs> <Red>. <laughs> An owl comes back. 
<laughs> Dumbledore has seen this message. <laughs> Dumbledore, they're selling me off. Please reply. <laughs> See. Thumbs up. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm going through a tunnel. What do you mean? This is an owl. What are you talking about? But yeah, so I uh, a a bunch of that a bunch a bunch of that stuff. It those two stories they don't really mix, in my opinion. Um, yeah. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Even in the second film, they still don't mix. It still feels like two separate stories existing next to each other. Um, and I really just, think a, yeah. a a big part of that for me is the fact that Newt Scamander is. He's the protagonist, but he shouldn't be the main character. No, no, no. He's, the he's main character should be Dumbledore. Hero. Do you know what I mean? He's exactly. Not Newt Scamander has Newt Scamander has no relationship to Grindelwald. He has no connection to him, but Dumbledore no. does. It a, should a, be a Dumbledore's story. Connection. An interesting connection. He loves exactly. Him, literally, he wants to put his dick in his mouth. <laughs> he wants to. <laughs> he wants to just give him a right old scene to. <laughs> and good on him. Good on him. But the thing is that. <laughs> The, the the Harry Potter and Voldemort link was really well established in those films. Like 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 credit to a massive awful person. But that the the fact that Harry Potter was the reason Voldemort died essentially and turned into that weird phantasm thing. Harry Potter is like the sole reason that fucked him. And that was all Voldemort's doing. There's a big thing in the books where it could have been Neville Longbottom or it could have been Harry Potter. And because Harry Potter came from like a, a more powerful family and they were more influential, um, Voldemort picked him because he was like, well, it can't be Neville Longbottom. It won't be the Longbottoms. Fuck them. It has to be the Potters. So he sets up his own demise. There is no link like that. That's like very rich with character development. Mm. You know, that relationship with Harry and Voldemort. Use Commander bumps into Grindelwald by mistake. <laughs> He like he he does that spell on Colin Farrell where he's like Revelio. That was a guess. It was hundred percent. He didn't know he was drinking polyjuice potion. He was like, I reckon, let's just see if he's someone else. And then boom, Johnny Depp. Revelio? Yeah. Yeah, that was Revelio. Revelio. Oh, it worked. Oh, that's good. And see, but is he right? And oh my god, this this like brings me a little bit on to like the magic it just everything's all so fucking different like I, I understand right it's a new film it's a new budget like the old films are old and shit like that but like I just want consistency I just want a little bit of, like so what like, magic so do you think's different so like see when um, I'm not disagreeing with you I just want an example no no no, no don't worry no 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 so like so see when Newt is, um, I think they're looking for, uh, oh, what's her name? The woman he's in love with. The Aurora. Oh, is this Tina. in the second one? Tina, second one. Tina, right? And he puts yeah. that fucking, he puts that like dust out and like there's that yellow footprint. <laughs> oh yeah, he <laughs> turns on detective mode. Kind. Yeah, he, literally, yeah. He uses eagle vision and fucking sees where she's been. <laughs> Do you know how many times that could have been useful in the Harry Potter series? The Harry Potter franchise, well, like when they're looking for what, people and shit like that. <laughs> what I will say is, because you're absolutely right, there is a bunch of stuff. It's it's the the whole time turner thing. How useful that would be later on in the book series. They just had to get rid <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah. Like, oh, every time turner's been destroyed. Um, 
But I think what is interesting is that in the Harry Potter series, you mostly follow teenagers who are still learning magic. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I like about this is that we are following grown-ass adults who are experienced in magic, who mm-hmm. know what they're doing. You know, they know how to stick up for themselves and stuff. Well, not stick up for themselves, but they can defend themselves. They're more practiced. And they're also more comfortable. Like, Newt Scamander just, like, puts his wand in his mouth to, like, hold something up. So it shows that it's a bit of, like, familiarity that he's had it for a while. And um, it is a cool wand. The little bit of Mother of Pearl at the end. It's very nice. Very nice. Um, But no, I I think there is, like, some magic has changed in terms of, like, travel. You know, oh, how people get to places. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, going, going back to that little fucking yellow powder shit, Snape, when Snape was trying to find Harry when he had the fucking cloak on, could have used it. Could have used it. Yeah. Could have fucking used it. But anyway, yeah, sorry, when they were traveling, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, when they're, like, getting to America, you know, mm-hmm. could have um, apparated, you know, things like that. In the second one, where they're they're taking Grindelwald away from the um, American uh, Ministry or whatever, why 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 don't they just use flu network? Why do they put him in a carriage that could easily be attacked? You know, like stuff like that, where you set up things in that first franchise, but you're not using any of that material. You're it's if you constantly want to do new things you're going to end up contradicting yourself. And a lot of mm. what I find these first couple movies is, it's like, look, we had this idea for this magical thing. Okay, that's cool, but you also had this already established. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and see- there are certain, there's certain things that I think do carry over, like obscurials. Because there is a, a kind of, a, a, I don't know if it's confirmed yet or if it was just a theory, but Dumbledore's sister very sounds in the Harry Potter books like an obscurial because she had a lot of like repressed magic and something that I don't know if we'll see because I think it's already happened by the time Fantastic Beasts comes around. But uh, Dumbledore's has. sister was killed in a crossfire between Dumbledore and Grindelwald and she could have been an obscurial. There's like theories that that's what she is and the description in the books is that's what she is. Um... So that has carried over. That's something that clearly J.K. Rowling had thought about. But Nagini being a woman? Yeah. The uh, fuck is that about? Because, like, unless they explain it in the next one, right? But, like, if it turns out that she does, why does she then follow Voldemort around? Like, Yeah, and, like, that also takes away that victory from Neville where he defeats the evil snake and it it helps defeat Voldemort. But now he's just killing a woman. (laughs) A woman who just <laughs> had a disease. Yeah. <laughs> like, like what? Yeah. But then, like, yeah, it, it just doesn't really. And make it, sense to me because, like, let's I mean, like, wait, continue. Uh, I was just gonna say, like, it, it just doesn't like. She does. She doesn't seem bad unless, like I said, unless she turns bad in this one. But like, it just doesn't. Like make she sense joins the good she's... side. That like, she's alongside Newt trying to I figure out a way to. So... So why? So so why would, yeah. why would she? In in what turn of events would she then become Voldemort's like pet? And does that mean? Like, and how, it's, how does he turn her into? Oh, anyway, yeah, so much. And I think it's so it's much. really awful that like one of the few Asian characters in this franchise 
her ultimate fate in this franchise is to become the property of a white guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like that is pretty fucking dodgy. But anyway, let's 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 go back to the first film. We were talking before about um the American wizard culture and a few instances that we get of that particular culture is the um is the term nomad. Yeah. What a fucking just... lazy name for Muggle. <laughs> nomad. <laughs> nomad. Like, it's such a fucking... It's like it's an Muggle... It's an Muggle sounds... Muggle sounds like an actual word. Yeah. Muggle sounds like something that would have evolved through, like, the merging of Saxon and Roman and Norse. Like, a lot, yeah. like, a lot of our languages. It sounds like an actual word that would... Nomad sounds like she was like, fuck, what would... What would stupid Yankee bastards call Muggle people? <laughs> Literally, it, it, no offense if there's any any Americans out there, but fuck me, it just sounds like the most Americanist. Ah, oh, very. So it's authentic, I suppose, but it also sounds so shit. It just sounds, yeah. it sounds so shit. Um, we also get the um, the Makusa. <laughs> the Makusa. The the Makusa, which is the um, the is let me guy? let me get. No, the Makusa. <laughs> See, it sounds it yucky. sounds like a play on Yakuza, doesn't it? But what it actually stands for is the Magical Congress of the United States of America. <laughs> oh dear. Which um is their version of the Ministry of Magic. However, by the second film, they just call it the American Ministry for Magic. See, they do that with the French one as well. It's just the French Ministry for Magic. I was expecting some big grand, like... Like Interpol, but French or something like that. I don't know. Or or something, like... And also the the French name for Muggle, the the French name for Muggle is uh, the (laughs) Nomagique. Come on. (laughs) Although I will say, my favourite one that... um, uh, Grindelwald rattles off in his, his rally speech is uh, the can't spells I love that <laughs> it's such a fucking he like gives a big like well, list of names at the end right? of the second one and I love that he's like people say I hate the muggles the nomads the can't spell like it's so good <laughs> I love that but um, yeah so the the other bits of, of uh, American wizarding society we get is the speakeasy, which a hundred percent was part of the pitch for that film. One hundred percent, I I can see it now. Where they were like, "Oh, we're gonna do a a magic film set. We're gonna do a Harry Potter film, but set in the nineteen twenties, and it's in America, so we can have a speakeasy full of goblins and fairies, and we can have an American Congress. Anything else? Nope, that's about it. <laughs> that's, that's about all we'll have. Um. So and, and I suppose, you know, America is a younger country. So maybe their wizarding society didn't develop in the same way, where wizards would have maybe had to travel over. But I can't. I I I wonder where, you know, Native Americans come into this whole thing. Did they have a similar type of magic? Well, because so I, I think that, that yeah. the, the magic in the Harry Potter universe seems very Eurocentric. Um, you know, yeah. mag- magic wands and Latin spells and stuff like that, and magic pointy hats. It's all very European iconography. Whereas mm. 
different cultures around the world have different methods of well you had like witch doctors you know stuff like that you had different cultures had their own mythology their own um forms of magic the the in norway it was seder you know it was in egypt that was mostly centered around death and stuff like that and you know how those different cultures interpret this magical energy that exists in this universe could be really interesting. But instead, we got a 1920s speakeasy with a goblin yeah. voiced by Ron Perlman. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, like, you could really go along the same lines of, like, the Force. Like, not everybody has it, but it's, an ent- it's like, something that's out there and it can be harnessed by people in different ways. So, like, some people control it through wands... Like obviously the like you said Europe Europe and well most of the world at this point but like previously like, <laughs> if you went back into different cultures it could have been like I don't know like, like through staff so like through incantations and like rituals and you know what I mean and it like mm. even a book maybe there was maybe it was like a book that you had to read from and it wasn't like you didn't yeah like well exactly I mean you have different tools and different pieces of like um you know oh, the, the cruciatus curse could be um a voodoo doll that would be really cool. Ex- exactly exactly you know and i think you have stuff like that where you could you could really which is why this feels so lazy because it feels yeah. like it's just yeah. it's just the stuff in in britain but in america um and it feels a bit like a, well we have to give the american version of the ministry we have to give the american version of muggle you know, stuff like that. Just just what is the Americanized version of all this stuff? But you're not actually showing, like, what the culture of that world was before colonization, you know? Because magic isn't a new thing. It's I, I assume it's been around in that world for a while. So how did different cultures use magic, you know? Because I imagine... Because they've, they've never really ex- explained how spells work other than you can make spells which implies that magic is a type of energy that you can mm-hmm. manipulate through different practices, through potions, through spells, through whatever. So maybe you're right. Maybe there's like an incantation that certain Native American tribes could use to do yeah, certain some things. Some people do it through words. Some people could do it through, yeah. Yeah, and I Anything, this yeah. third film is supposedly set in Brazil, so we're going to, to South America. Part of it's in Brazil, and yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, it's you have a be lot one of street in Brazil, and that's it. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the thing that you have. You have a lot of um, South American cultures that all have that are very vibrant and have their own iconography and their own forms of uh, religion and spirituality and stuff like that. And a lot of the magic we see in the um, Harry Potter stuff is kind of like Wiccan extensions you know even though i think jk Rowling was like pagans can't go to uh hogwarts because it's a different type of magic <laughs> okay what <laughs> yeah it was like something like that where she was like oh well pagans practice a different type of magic but they still called the christmas ball the yule ball and yule is a yeah. pagan celebration yeah. it's bizarre right but like how interesting would it be to like have that sort of like you, you have like a Norwegian, like a not, maybe not even just Norwegian, like a Scandinavian school that follows like like you said the old Seder magic. Well, I think Durmstrang is Scandinavian. Uh, it's Bulgarian. 
Um, oh, is it Bulgaria? Is like, oh, I thought yeah, it was Yeah, which is like south of um, Europe. But it's still part of the Baltics, so it's more like... Yeah, it's, it's close to... It's <laughs> Eastern European, really. But. So it's, it's absolutely not Scandinavia? No. <laughs> it's, it's as far from Scandinavia you could get, but also <laughs> yeah, be in Europe. Be honest, okay, I see. I see. <laughs> I'm probably closer to Scandinavia right now than they are. <laughs> 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 okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so we don't really get to see a lot of the the wizarding culture. Um but what I what I do like is you do get some fantastic beasts. Um they really they really oh. promise the the niffler, the bow truckle, the weird snake that changes its size. The big Chinese, um, like, oh, I forgot the name of it, but the big, like, um... Oh, the the dragon the cat monster. thing. So, yeah. what I was going to say, right, like, I really, like, I loved how they sort of subtly, like, incorporated, like, mythology, like, but, like, like, different cultures, mythologies, and showed, so, like, yeah, so this is probably where this comes from. One has probably yeah. showed itself to a human in the past, and this is where this imagery comes from. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I love that mm. sort of. This is why we have this imagery now is because of this. And I mean, it, um, like obviously because you've got the dancing dragons in the street in China, and it even moved in the same way. If you've seen like the the way that like its head moved, but then its body sort of moved around. For like, like Chinese New Year celebrations and stuff like precisely. that. Precisely. Yeah, 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 yeah. The paper mache dragon lion heads, but. But I, I, I do that, and I think that's what's interesting about News Commander, and I wish they kind of lent into this more, he he favours animals over spells. So like that, um, the the Chinese cat dragon thing, I forget the name, um, he yeah. uses that instead of uh, spell. Same with the swoop and evil and uh, the bow truckle. He uses creatures as extensions of himself to get himself out of situations and relies mm. on animals more than his want. Which is, I think, is a fun quirk for this character, and sort of sets him aside from the other wizards. Yeah. I just wish he was relevant to the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, even if you tied him in, like Grindelwald's one weakness was magical beasts. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, Which they sort of do in the second it. one. In the second one, they try and squeeze a little. Like one of the last lines, um, Newt says, Newt says to um, Dumbledore is a. Uh, I guess Grindelwald didn't understand the value of creatures he thinks less than himself. Yeah. But it's like, is that, is that what you were going for in that film? Anyway, I'll... is that really the lesson? Like, <laughs> you kidding? What I also, what I also think is kind of interesting in this first Fantastic Beast is you have the second Salemers, which is a group of people who have kind of stumbled upon the fact that witches are real. Real? <laughs> that witches are real. And, <laughs> and they're going on like a citywide manhunt. Although I do think that story strange because it sort of leads into like a weird political subplot. Yeah. Where you have like a senator running for office. Yeah. And he witnesses a bunch of magic stuff and I don't know, I think I thought I thought that was a bit unnecessary. You know. Um when they keep putting to the pull you back to the dangers of like mixing i guess yeah it's again it's it's showing a highlight of oh you know if people find out about us you know we're fucked 
which again, but it just it keeps begging the question: where it's like, then why don't you try and hide your society more? Like Tina Goldstein and her sister Queenie both live in just a random apartment in New York with, I assume, a yeah. Muggle landlady stopping her from having people come over. And I think, um, I think that's really uh, a strange choice to, you know, have such an emphasis on we need to keep ourselves hidden, but there's no attempt to separate the wizarding and Muggle world, um, which they sort of fix in the second one. But um, I also, uh, I I do for the most part like the the cast and the characters in this first film. Um, what do you yeah. think of the the new characters that we have? The new characters in the first one. Yeah, because you have um, you have Tina and Queenie, the two sisters. Yeah, yeah, and then Kowalski. You have Kowalski, the like, the Muggle, I mean, and Newt Scamander. I, I, I kind of like them. I, I like Newt's brother. Um, I, I do. I think he's quite cool. Um, not a big fan of Kowalski. I was going to touch uh, on him when we get to the second film. Fair. Um, Which is Kowalski. why I asked specifically about Queenie. I was like, Queenie, Tina. Kowalski, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like his brother. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, I do. I think he's a cool guy. But anyway, I, I, I'm not allowed to talk about him, so... Um, but <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Kowalski. We'll talk about him in a second. Um, I'm not a big fan of Kowalski. Um, for the oh, really? Time, if you can let me finish. <laughs> Sorry, who, who are you not a big fan of? Uh, I'm actually not a big fan of Queenie uh, too much, but... <laughs> no, Kowalski, not... I don't know. He just so are you, are you saying... Gay people, you don't like gay people, is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you, so you go, you go. Um, I just not, I just not a big fan of it. I think probably because I'm not the biggest fan of the actor uh, too much. Like, he's not bad, he's just, I don't know, he's a muggle, isn't he? It's not really the point. I, I don't know I, I anything else that he's been on. People. He was in Goldberg's um, and like some few other like American shitty bits, but like I don't know. I I just I I, I think it's an interesting concept because in the Harry Potter books you don't get a lot of Muggles witnessing magic stuff, um, yeah. and I mean you see Harry reacts to a lot of like magic and wonder, and I suppose you kind of if you are introducing new ideas and new concepts, you need a point of view character. And if you're telling a story about seasoned witches and wizards, they're not going to be so surprised by a bunch of stuff, you know? A lot of that, if you've been a part of this world for, you know, since you were at least 11, you're, there's very little that will surprise you. Maybe the Fantastic Beasts that are not as known, but the everyday stuff like the magic and shit, that won't be as awe-inspiring because it's just day-to-day. Yeah. So you understand the narrative need to have a muggle in that story. But I also think his his role in that first film, uh, that first film, God. feels a little manipulative because there's a there's a bit where um, where Kowalski's like they're sat in bed, and Tina comes in and gives them some cocoa, and then she leaves, and then you immediately when like the door closes, he gets out of bed, opens his briefcase, goes inside, and that's when you see like a bunch of the beasts for the first time, and he like so, he like beckons. Kowalski to help him out and he shows him all this wonderful stuff and he's like look at this animal, look at that animal and then he's like yeah so Kowalski I really need a hand catching some animals that have escaped and she's like, and he's like well we should really tell the others and he's like no 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 because if you don't help me um, they're going to wipe your memory 
and you will you won't remember any of this. And he's like, Oh, okay, well I better help you then. And it feels a little bit like, yeah. look at all this cool stuff. Now if you don't help me, it's gonna get taken away from you. <laughs> the fact that he basically gets fucking date raped in the second one. <laughs> yeah. It's uh he gets a fucking but I, I I also think that's a bit in that because to lead into that scene, Kowalski, at the end of the first film, he gets um, obliviated, and they saw. I didn't think they'd set it up, but they actually did quite well. Where the swooping evil creates a, a potion, or can be used to create a potion that removes bad memories, and the Thunderbird, whatever it's called, can disperse a potion across a large um, area, apparently. So, um, the Thunderbird takes that potion up, it removes all the bad memories from the city, so all the magic stuff gets erased, all the destruction's damaged, and they kind of, like, wash away all the all the events from that film. But Kowalski, because he was, like, so amazed by everything, in the second film, his memory comes back. And I think that... I remember the first film thinking... I remember when I first watched the second film, sorry, is that I was like, well, that that's a bit weak. Oh, I didn't have any bad memories. I still quite liked it. But watching them back to back, I was like, oh, no, they, they actually set up that potion quite well in the first film. It's one of the few things that I yeah. think it was like, okay, that that makes a lot of sense. I'm um, sure they set up the potion well, but I just, I, I do think it's a little bit... No, it is, because they massively fuck... They, they, I know what you mean, because they fuck up Queenie's character entirely. Because in this first film, she's a little naive, but she's quite sweet, quite endearing. Yeah. And then you get onto the second movie, and she's a fucking nut job. Like She, just, yeah, she completely nosedives. Same with Tina. Tina goes from this kind of like, you know, she's kind of nerdy and quiet, and Edward Redmay... Edward? <laughs> Edward Redmay. Eddie Redmay is... Um, He's quite shy and quiet as well, so them two have like cute chemistry because it's two fucking yeah. nerds falling in love. But then the second film, she's like a weird, jealous psycho who read like a, a misprinted article and was like, "Well, fuck him then." <laughs> didn't speak Did to she him. Not didn't get go. With an aura as well. Was I thought was she not meant to be with somebody? She said that she got with someone, but we never see him. So I think she just said that to hurt him. I don't think she actually did get with anyone. I think she was just trying to hurt it. Um, but yeah, so before we move on to the second film, actually, um, there's just a couple more bits and pieces I want to mention about this first one. Um, just things like, I think he's got a great outfit. I love the blue coat. Oh, the blue coat's brilliant. I like the briefcase. I, I, I like the character on the briefcase. Yeah. Um, I almost bought that blue coat because it was being sold in like, Hot Topic for like... 100 quid or something like that and I was like I really want that blue coat and then I was like I was umming and ahhing about it I was like oh, do I spend that much money on a blue coat I don't know and then I never got it and then because I think it was sold out and then like a year or so later I got a red coat instead so I know I'm sorry just a little story about my life <laughs> um, I think I think it's I think he has a uh, another thing I want to mention is I think he has a very calm reaction to the bank getting robbed, like the the bank teller, because he goes downstairs and there's the the vault door is wide open. He's on his own as well. He's not brought any security with him. There's two people who've managed to open the vault door, and all he says is, "You won't get a loan, so you're gonna steal that money, eh?" As if like 
he just nipped down to the vault and opened the door. It's such a calm reaction to um to a bank robbery. Um, I think I think Graves is a good villain. I kind of hate that he was wasted as you know a disguise. Um, I I think the layout of the suitcase is a little disorientating. They don't give you a good idea of. Uh, I think that's kind of the point of it, right? Like, because it's like magic. It's meant to be like true. The, the space isn't meant to be. Yeah. But I kind of wonder how much space does each creature have? Um, a lot, know. because if you look, if you look at the kelpie, um, it's like it's like you just fucking swim so much. It's like bigger than. Oh, true, but that's that's brain. that's inside his house, isn't it? But inside the briefcase, I don't think they'll have as much space. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in the house, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I, I like a bunch of the different creatures. Um, I think, I think Queenie is like my dream of a woman and my nightmare at the same time. Oh god! Because I think it, it would be great to have some like a woman who knows exactly what I'm thinking, but at the same time, they know exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, and um. I don't think anybody wants to really know what you're thinking. Apart from the <laughs> but Moving on. Um, uh, Ezra Miller's in this movie, and he's... Um, he's uh, He might not be in the rest of them, <laughs> from I, I what do, we've been I, hearing. I promise you, I promise you, it, I literally didn't know until after I'd, I'd, like... I was looking up, like, the cast of the second one. I had no clue. He just looks so different. You know they mean? give him like a weird bowl cut, don't they? Yeah, and he's like chubbier. Well, he's, 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 yeah, he's, he's. I think yeah, I think he's a little stockier, but I also think it's it's his um it's how he holds himself. Um, yeah, but he's uh he's currently busy terrorizing the island of Hawaii, so I don't think he'll be in Fantastic <laughs> Beasts Four, but we'll have to see. Um, we'll have to see. Uh, and also just one last note because I think this is funny as fuck. Um. The really dramatic music that plays whenever something serious happens is 100% the theme music from Saw. It's not. I really... I, I, I'm going to send it... I'll cut this pause out. I'm going to send you the music. There's a slight difference. A very minimal, minimal difference, but it's the same song, effectively. It, it's... The melody... The melody is, like, the same. It's just they've used more orchestral... Music for the fucking obscurus rooftop scene. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It is so similar. Like I was listening to it and I was like, "Hang on, that sounds like the Saw theme." So I googled it, and the only place that I think someone's actually mentioned that it wasn't talked about in interviews. No one said anything. Like no one like, "Oh yeah, this is why it sounds the same." It was like a Reddit thread of someone going, "This sounds familiar," and then other people going, "Yeah, it does," and that was it. <laughs> so. Fuck knows how they got away with that, but yeah. Um, so the saw music was in Fantastic Beasts. That's weird. But yeah, I. Uh... Alright, let's let's move on to the next one. So the the second film, Fantastic Beasts: The The Crimes of Grindelwald. Um, again, horrible title, horrible title. The Fantastic Beasts it has no relevance. And there's times in this movie where I feel they were like, "Fuck, we need to, we need to put in a, a Fantastic Beast." 
Like yeah. that lizard thing. Like it's so weird that the opening scene of this movie, right, is the escape sequence where Grindelwald is freed by his yeah. his. And then it, it that that sequence is all about like how like the, the like Grindelwald as a character wants to build loyalty among his followers, but then he throws that lizard out the window because it's too needy. Where it's like, oh, sh- it's what? Yeah, ugly little lizard, but it was cute. Also, um, you won't care about this either, but this is the first time the logos of a Wizarding World movie appear underwater, not in the sky. Oh, really? Yeah. The actual title (laughs) appears in the sky, but like the Warner Brothers logo and stuff, it opens up underwater. Yeah, cause I'm not gonna lie though, but the, the, the Harry Potter openings were peak. Like they were so good, all of them. Like, yeah, anyway, especially the the last two. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think um, I think this one has th- this one kind of like furthers a lot of the problems I have with the first film, which is J.K. Rowling writes movies like they're books. Yeah. And she writes little chapters. She doesn't do, like, she does a, a sort of three-act structure, but she sort of writes little chapters and little kind of, like, mini bits. Like, um, the best way to explain it is in that first film where Queenie is, like, she's making the, the apple strudel. And it's like, I can imagine in my head exactly how that scene would have been written in a book and it would have been this big spectacle about showing how great the magic is. But, like... In the actual film, it's just wasting time. And this feels kind of similar, where there are certain bits where... Like, like the detective, the French detective that is looking for Credence. <laughs> yeah. What is the actual point of his character? Yes, man. He, he's... The main thrust of this, the first film is finding the Fantastic Beast and then accidentally getting involved with Grindelwald. The second film is all these separate people want to know who Credence is. Like that's that's the main plot. The main yeah. plot of this movie is they're all trying to figure out his identity. So I, I was trying to like figure out, okay, what is the actual? What is everyone trying to achieve? And this is it. Tina is trying to find Credence. And Grindelwald is also trying to find Credence. But Newt is trying to find Tina. And has nothing to do with Grindelwald. He has no motivation to find Grindelwald. Isn't bothered about Grindelwald at all. Even though he is the only character in the film to be given the task of finding Grindelwald by Dumbledore. But instead of looking for Dumbledore, for, instead of looking for Grindelwald, he goes to look for Tina to try and solve his relationship issues. And then when he finds Tina, Tina's like, "I'm looking for Credence," and Newt is like, "Well, I guess I'll help you find Credence." Um, pointless character. Also, good character, but pointless character. Yeah, exactly. In in both of the in like all that plot, that detective guy isn't mentioned at all. And then right at the end, um. He like gives a big speech about why he's been looking for credence, and then someone else turns around and goes, "Actually, that's not true." So, so your entire quest in this movie has been for nothing. Like, do you, you've been wasting your time, mate. You want to kill that person? I already did it. It it's done. Go home. <laughs> like, like, what a fucking 
what an absolute pointless plot line to put in a movie. Is you spend so long with this guy, he's like, I'm hunting for credence because he, he's the reason that my family fell apart. Oh, always oh, not. Oh, never mind. <laughs> so, sorry, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Got a bit carried away there. My bad. Uh, I'm like, just going to go. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and I also, this is this is my other big problem with the uh, the J.K. Rowling's writing style. And it's it's much more noticeable in the books than the actual movies. Is every Harry Potter book ends with a character sort of giving a big monologue about their intentions and their life and everything they've been doing up until that point. I think it's like um, in the third Harry Potter book, uh, Remus Lupin basically gives a big monologue about his life, about, you know, he was a werewolf and he went to school and in order to protect him, the Dumbledore put the Wampin Willow and, you know, because he was, like, scared of being a werewolf, his friends all became animaguses so they could you know, protect him during these transitional periods and stuff like that. And it's a big monologue about all this shit and it's so much exposition and very little, like, none of it is actually necessary to the plot. It's just characters expositing to each other. And then you get the same stuff from, like, um, it, like Voldemort in the fourth book when he's explaining how he came back and one of his acolytes is like, Voldemort, how did you return? And he's like, well, Mr whatever your name is, that I came, I, this is how I survived, and I was a ghost living in Romania, and blah, blah, blah. And the reason the for that... The second one with, like, Tom Riddle. Exactly, when he's explaining, like, well, this is actually how I was doing all the crimes. Yeah. Like, it's a fucking murder mystery. And it's... Which I suppose it kind of is. But the reason that those feel so heavy with exposition is because J.K. Rowling was very committed to telling the story from Harry Potter's perspective. There's only like a couple chapters, like usually prologues, that are from other characters' point of view. Um, Like uh, Mr. Dursley in the first Harry Potter book, and then the rest of it's from Harry Potter's point of view. Um, So when it gets to Voldemort wanting to explain his backstory, it's much more interesting if we got to see it from his point of view. But instead, the movie doesn't... Sorry, instead the book um, just has him explain it. Because Harry Potter is overhearing, so it has to be from Harry Potter's point of view. In this movie, the second Fantastic Beast film, there's a similar issue where, again, you have characters expositing to one another. But because it's all flashback and it's all history, you can't really you can intercut that with montage and you know flashback sequences. But you can't just like it's not the same solution where in the book to make it more interesting you should just cut to Voldemort's point of view in this you can't just then like switch point of view to them and show that show that stuff play out so you have to hear him explain and exposit his backstory so the fact that you have to listen to his backstory means it should be important it should be vital and it should be interesting and it fucking isn't it absolutely isn't, especially because you get a big monologue about this is my backstory, and then immediately Zoe Kravitz is like, well, actually, this is my backstory. It's like fucking back-to-back flashback it's montages. Isn't relevant. <laughs> exactly. And then he his backstory is basically proven to be pointless, and she is immediately killed. So what was the fucking point? We don't learn anything. All you, all, all you learn... 
is that Credence was on a boat. That's it. Yeah. This entire movie has been about who Credence is, which, by the way, is already a shit plot line because Credence wasn't really that interested in the first film. And they didn't really set up a mystery about him. It wasn't like, someone isn't like, well, when I found you living on the streets because of mysterious circumstances, he's just an orphan. He's just an orphan who has magic. But in the second movie, his existence is so interesting that government officials are like spreading rumours. And Dumbledore's like, have you heard the rumours that's travelling in our society about who Credence is? It's like, no one knew that Credence existed. Literally, like, ten months ago or something? Like, Yeah. It's so fucking bizarre to me. And it's... It's it's interesting because... Well, I say it's interesting. It's, um... I'm curious about, like, what the actual overarching story of this... Because apparently this is going to be five films... This um this franchise yeah apparently it's five films yeah yeah because we're seeing the third one this weekend that that isn't the finale no I thought this is the finale (laughs) this is the midpoint (laughs) oh okay it doesn't it it doesn't feel very structured like exactly what is the ultimate goal because this whole movie was about who is credence and we find out at the very end of the movie and we don't care. Yeah. Because he's like, you are Aurelius Dumbledore. That guy has had no scenes with Dumbledore. He doesn't know who Dumbledore is. That name probably yeah. means nothing to him. Yeah. So, oh my God. okay, yeah, the audience go, oh my God, he's a Dumbledore. But then you actually stop and think about it for a moment and you go, well, actually that doesn't really matter because he's got no personal relationship. There's no personal stakes here. It's just, okay, there's another Dumbledore. I suppose there's a bit of tension where you're like, oh, a Dumbledore's going to kill a Dumbledore? But then if you wanted to tell a story about Dumbledore's killing Dumbledore's, tell the story about Dumbledore killing his sister by mistake. Yeah. I, I, I don't know, what's it, your opinion? I, I, th- I thought they were going to do that more. I thought they were going to do the sister thing more. Like, 100% I thought they were going to do the sister thing more. But, like... I'm a little bit surprised because I didn't know they were making five films out of it. Like, I'm a little bit surprised um, because so going back to what we were talking about earlier with like the like it's nice seeing them as older wizards. Yeah. Right. And I agree with that. Hundred percent agree with that. But I think the trouble that you then have, right, is what made Harry Potter work so well is because like even after the first three films. Okay, say first two, right? Which weren't overly structured because they were still quite young and shit like that. And it was a bit more sort of... They hadn't really gotten into the feel of what the films were going to become until about the fourth one, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, like the, yeah, because sort of the, the when those first two movies... Like when those first two movies happy. came out, the, the last book you know I mean? hadn't been written. Yeah, precisely, precisely, right? But even after... Like, you have the first two films made, right? You still know that this like they're going through school they've got so much time yet to like build a story but because they're basically Mm. creating this from scratch and because they are all adults they don't have the same structure that allows them to grow and build like a strong franchise they've almost got to force it but they're not doing it very well because like i said they've made it about new they've tried to branch off with these different storylines it's just ended up 
fall and I think the ring. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. And I think it's it's such a strange choice to pick Newt as your point of view character because yeah. like your your sort of protagonist in this story. Because his only existence in the actual books is he's a guy who wrote a textbook. Yeah. A textbook really? that was produced for comic relief. And like I, I have it on my on my desk. I have like there's like a little box set you can get with um three Harry Potter textbooks. The Tales of Bill the Bard, Quidditch Through the Ages and Fantastic Beasts. And that was where they got the idea from. Is it is a little in universe textbook that you can actually technically buy and it goes through a list of fantastic beasts. And I think some of them they've adapted, some they've created specifically for the films. But that is the only reason he's been chosen. Not because he has an actual relationship with your main villain, just because, well, we need to adapt something because this is a series based from books. So we need to base it on some kind of book. So fuck it, that textbook will do. And that textbook, it's, it's not like it's not like each movie he's learning more so he, has to, he fills the book in. By the end of the first movie, he's written the book. The book's done. The, that's out of the way. That's finished. Like his... His ultimate goal, his main driving force as a character is I want to publish this book, is finished by the end of the first movie. And then the second movie is a bunch of people going, hey, there might be a war news. You might want to you might want to pick a side. And he's like, for some reason, on the fence about which side he's going to pick on. And then what's even weirder is it gets to the end of the movie and Grindelwald is like, I am going to try and stop the Holocaust. And everyone's like, well, we can't have that. <laughs> we can't you're gonna stop world war Two? no we can't have that so it's so weird that like your main villain is trying to stop one of the worst atrocities ever happened in history and he's yeah. the villain like he's the bad guy yeah. our, our main like if you were to pick an actual villain in our culture it would be hitler and oh, this yeah. villain Exactly. And this villain in this fictional universe is trying to stop him. And yet, he's the bad guy. (laughs) What kind of logic is that? Surely the logic would be he is trying to cause World War II to kill off more humans so then they can pick up the pieces after the fact. Surely that would be his motivation. Yeah, but then I guess you you go into like the (laughs) era... You get a fine line of like Oh, he doesn't like the Muggles, and oh, he just doesn't like the Jews. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's, it's a very fine line of hate that I think they're not going to be able. Not a lot. Of yeah, because people, people are going to find issues in. You can portray him as a racist to a fictional group of people, but when he's a you racist to a real group of people, yeah. that's too far. They're going to say, "Oh, it's J.K. Rowling again." That's that's it. It's her. It's so weird when people are like. It's like in um in the second it movie, um Pennywise like kills two gay people. Like like uh, it's like a, it's, yeah. it's 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 a fucking it's a terrifying scene because you like in the first film he's targeting kids. So in the second film when he's targeting adults, there's like that kind of level of oh fuck, he can target anyone. And it's like a, it's yeah. like a really good terrifying scene. But then people go in, "Oh my god, Pennywise is homophobic." And it's like he's the bad guy. Like, who, like, okay, like, you're not supposed to, like, he's not supposed to be a good person. So making him, by making him homophobic, okay, yeah, because he's a piece of shit. It's so weird that they'd be like, 
oh, Grindelwald hates Jewish people. Wow, cancel him. It's like, he's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, Billy. <laughs> he's supposed to, to be a piece of shit. Yeah, but like, even then, like, going back to the Pennywise thing, it's just, it's bringing more factors into the character that aren't necessary. Like, he's a bad guy, he's just going to kill people. I think the fact that he's probably not specifically picking out gay people makes it more yeah, specific he, for you to chuck that upon him. Than yeah, he's just, him he's just, just killing people because he people. kills people. Yeah. And yet people are going, ah, he's killing them because he's homophobic. It's like, one, that's, what, that's probably not the point. Even, he probably doesn't even know what gay people are. Like, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a creature from another dimension. Like, I, he doesn't care. He's not, he's not going to, he's not going to, like, see hundreds of beings and go, you two, together? No. I'd draw the line. That is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, but his, um... Yeah, sorry, is another yeah. Go go watch Fantastic Beasts. Is another thing. <laughs> Who the fuck is that Grimson guy? Grimson. You remember like when um, Newt Scamander is basically called into the principal's office, and they and he's. <laughs> I I actually quite like the scene where he's like, um, I'd like to get my license reinvoked so I can travel internationally, and they're like, Why? And he's like, Because I want to travel internationally. <laughs> like that, he's yeah, like, I just want to do some traveling. Um, but then they have that whole scene where they're like, we want you to become an aura. Why they'd want him to become an aura, no idea. Um, yeah. It doesn't seem like he's, he's like the best at magic. In, yeah, then they bring that other guy in. And Newt Scamander is like him, but he's a prick. And they're like, well, he's the best at the job. And then Grimson's like, well, I guess I'm, I'm being sent out to the field, am I? And then I'm pretty sure he never turns up again. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be in the next, like, he's, he's going to be in the fourth one. I call it I now. don't. It's not going to be the third. It's going to be the fourth. I watched that film like a couple of days ago. I cannot remember what that character looked like. So if he does turn up in the third one, <laughs> I'm going to be like, <laughs> yeah. I hope they say his name because if they don't say his name or if they've recast him, I'm going to be like, who? What? Is this the same guy? Because I think his name's Grimson, but it could be something else. Um. But yeah, I just I thought that was a weird setup where they were like, it's like they were trying to tease their own Boba Fett, but it's just some guy. Yeah. Like he doesn't have a distinct yeah. look; he's just some guy. Um, also, this is a good time for us to talk about um, the stuff we mentioned before. Queenie going completely psycho. Bizarre, out of character, like M- massively out. Do you want to recap what happens? Yeah, so like. Obviously, like you said, in, like in the beginning, like the first one, she's very sort of like, I don't know, she's just a bit ditzy, generally a bit dippy, a bit naive, like doesn't really know much of the mm. outside world, a bit protected. But then she turns up out of the blue in this one, and she's basically date raped a guy into marrying her. <laughs> and then when he wakes up, there's that moment of, oh, not again, you've done it. Ah. <laughs> 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 oh. Yeah, amazing. Just, yeah. yeah, like, and, but and this is this goes, is the bit that annoys me, is he runs out after her and he's talking to her and she and he's like, look, I've told you before, we can't be together because if people find like we can't get married because if people find out that we're together, it's going to cause a lot of issues. And then Queenie says, well, over here in Britain, they're a lot more progressive. You and I can get married here, and it's it's like a proper wedding and everything. And then Kowalski doesn't go, 
oh yeah, that's a good idea. He goes, I'm going to be with you no matter what, but you can't keep joking. And it's like he doesn't even acknowledge that, oh yeah, we could go to Britain and get married and you know live a happy life. Yeah. And then later in the movie, Queenie's motivation for joining Grindelwald is so that he will create a world where she can get married to Kowalski. Even though she already knows she can get married to Kowalski if they move to Britain. Yeah. Which makes me feel like the only reason that line about Britain being more progressive was because J.K. Rowling was like, well, I can't, I don't want to say that my own country is like really bigoted. So I'm going to, even though it makes no sense for my story and my character motivation, I'm going to throw a line in where Britain's actually really progressive, even though it will never come up again. Like, it's because it's, she literally goes, like, they're really progressive here. And he goes, baby, you're crazy. <laughs> she completely dismisses her. It's so... And it's also, like, I think she's crazy because she she's like, oh, I... Because I, she, she can't marry... Kowalski gets annoyed at her. So then she leaves for Paris. And then she's, like, wandering around Paris for most of the movie trying to find her sister doesn't find a sister and then gets invited into a house by a strange woman. She then goes into that house and is like having tea and is like, well, this is nice, but I better go. And then she's like forced to stay. And then Grindelwald comes in and she's like, oh, yeah, I know who you are. And then immediately starts listening to him. That's her story for that movie. Is She goes to Paris, gets lost and is abducted by a Nazi. And that's it. That's all that character does in that movie. And then Tina, another bit of character assassination, for most of the movie, there is a misunderstanding that Lita Lestrange, who apparently was in love with Eddie Redmayne's character at one point, but instead of getting together with um, Newt's commander, got with his brother, which already makes me not like that character. (laughs) It's like, well, that's... Yeah, it's a bit like... Because she's like still kind of being a bit flirty with New and is like, you should come for dinner, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. there's that bit, like the last line she says to both of them before she dies, is she, they're both sitting next to each other. And she looks at both of them and says, I love you, and then dies. Which is a little bit like, I'm going to die, but just before I go, I want to cause more problems between you two <laughs> by making you figure out which one I was directing that to. Like, it's, yeah. see, it's so like, all the women in this movie are portrayed as absolute cunts. Because Tina, she goes off a new... Because she's like, oh, well, I read in a magazine that you're you're getting engaged to Little Strange, And I never questioned it. I never spoke to you. I just went, fuck you, and ignored you. And completely <laughs> cut you out of my life. And, like, they spend so long of the movie... Like, Newt and Tina, like, running around Paris together trying to find Credence. And there's plenty of opportunities where Newt could go... By the way, I'm not engaged. That was a misprint. But he doesn't. He waits like the very last moment. It's so long then... into the film. It's like three quarters. And it's there's so many opportunities where he could explain himself, and he just doesn't. And it's not like a oh this and so because she's annoyed at him for a lot of the movie, their fun chemistry that is in the first film isn't present in this one because it's a lot of her going well fuck you and him going. That's that's not what's going on, but for some reason I won't tell you what is going on. And it's so the the only the only woman who's not betrayed as like an awful character in this movie is Nagini, which is a shame because she's going to turn into an evil snake eventually. So, so one thing that I was wondering, right? So like, will she like lose 
like consciousness. Do you know what I mean? Like, will she lose? Yeah, is she? Does she become a woman trapped in a snake's body, or does she just become a snake? Yeah, like, does she know what she's doing as a snake or not? Or is she just thinks she's a snake, which um, <laughs> I which is worse. Um, I I think I'd, I I think I'd love to be a person trapped in a snake's body. I th- I'd love to be a snake. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to be a snake. <laughs> Uh, Do you know how fun that would be? Just like, yeah, nobody fucks with snakes. Well, here's here's another thing you've probably forgotten. Do you remember that bit in the Deathly Hallows Part Two, where or Part One, I think actually, where Nagini the snake possesses the body of that old woman? Yeah, yeah. Is that the type of snake you'd want to be, living in the dead skin of an old lady? Yeah. A human woman. A human woman that is then turned into a snake that then hollows out another woman and lives inside her skin. Are you asking me if that's what I want to be? I'm asking, do you think there's some subtext about J.K. Rowling's attitudes towards women and transgender people? <sighs> <laughs> Because a lot of this, a lot of this information is just evil. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's it is very, uh, it's very suspicious. Her her attitudes towards female characters. Yeah. It's like that time she wrote. Yeah, yeah, but she actively is like that's that's not the type of transgender. She's on a crusade to denounce you know that's that you, you know you read jk rowland's twitter sorry i thought she just denounced all transgender no she's she's like the big thing she's going for is women are separate and women have specific struggles that women have gone through and the struggles that transgender women go through are not the same and are not equal and because they're not real women um, no. <laughs> we said we wouldn't get into it, but we did. It's um... wow, I, di- I didn't actually realize that. But then, like, that's really silly because then that just makes like the whole feminist cause, from her point of view, just really cynical and like horrible. Do you know what I mean? It, it makes it a lot less equal. Like, it like, also makes yeah. it really strange that she would write three female characters, well, four female characters, in this movie. And make all four of them just awful people. <laughs> just yeah. terrible. Yeah. Just manipulative, <laughs> rapey, and bitter through and through. Yeah. Except uh, Nagini, right? who gets Sorry, turned into a snake. <laughs> yeah. The, the yeah. only one who's nice will get the worst punishment of all of them. Think about it, right? In the first movie, she's the one with the character arc. She mm-hmm. saved Credence from being abused, um, mm-hmm. and lost her ship because of that. She was re- because she revealed herself to a muggle. So, her driving factor in that first movie is she wants to become an Aura again, but she also yeah. doesn't want Credence to be abused. And a big plot point is that 
the person stopping her from being an aura and the person who is kind of psychologically abusing Credence is the same is is uh, Graves Grindelwald. Mm. So Tina, her arc makes a lot more sense. You get rid of Newt Scamander and you open the film with her saving Credence from being abused, and then she goes on a mission to find to to. I knocked my earphone out. There we go. There we go. And then, like, you make it so that she goes looking for, you know, the person manipulating Credence, the person who's feeding the second Salem as information, because, you know, you have the Obscurus, and the Obscurus is causing... So, like, she's... Maybe that's what it is. Tina's looking for the Obscurial, and she's checking in on Credence. Maybe she's suspicious of Credence. She's doing some detective work. Credence is also looking for the Obscurial. Why is he looking for the Obscurial? Oh, it's because Graves is involved. She arrests Graves, reveals his Grindelwald, and gets her authorship back. You know, it's most of the same plot beats in that first film, but Newt isn't involved because he doesn't have to be. And then in the second film, you know, Grindelwald escapes. She's the person who arrested him in the first film, so she'll be invested in finding him. And she knows that he is looking for the Obscurial, which is Credence. So she goes looking for Credence, thinking that Credence will lead him uh, lead her to Grindelwald. Again, a lot of the same plot points of her being in Paris looking for Credence, but you don't need Newt Scamander. And you don't even really need Dumbledore. So at one point, Dumbledore, who's also looking for Grindelwald, maybe recruits Tina because Tina at this point has a relationship with Grindelwald. She's arrested him, put him in prison, and has now got in the way or was trying to get in the way of him acquiring Credence. So there's a bit more of a relationship where he's like, well, you keep getting in my way, fuck you. And Dumbledore can be like, well, you keep getting in his way, so I need you to help me with something. You know? All the same plot points, but you trim the fat. What would you call the movie, though? Uh, The Wizard in War. All of them? Well, the, the first movie could be like um or you could call it like wizarding world something like that um the uh, first one uh wizarding world uh uh takes manhattan i don't know (laughs) yeah yeah something like that you know um uh, Wizard and War, The Curse of Credence. Yeah. And then, the so, second one, Wizard and War, The Crimes of Grindelwald. The third one, Wizard and War, The Secrets of Dumbledore. So it's 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 something of a surname. Something of a surname. Yeah. The, the Curse of Credence, The Crimes of Grindelwald, The uh, Secrets of the Dumbledore. Negli- the Negligence of Newt. Yeah, negligence of Newt. Well, Newt's not in my version because he, he's the most unnecessary character in this franchise. He's so not necessary. I, he's I not mean, needed. Really, really, the only reason they've done it is to, like, because they want the magical beasts because magical beasts were, like, it attracted kids and it attracted, like, younger audiences and shit like that. Do you know what I mean? That's why they Yeah, but, you, you, but you, you're aiming for the same audience Harry Potter is, and Harry Potter didn't need, like, loads of Fantastic Beasts. They are only continuing the Fantastic Beast thing because I 100% they were like, we need to adapt something. We need to base this of something J.K. Rowling has written. 
what do we have that we can use? Oh, she's written three textbooks. One which is yeah. a bunch of fairy tales, that won't work. One is a guide to Quidditch, well that won't work, we can't make a Quidditch film. Even though I think like a sports movie about Quidditch would be pretty fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, like a rocky sort of like, yeah, like a like a a knight's tale type thing where it's they, you take a, a a I was gonna say a fictional spot jousting's real, but it's a medieval thing, so it's not it, you don't do that anymore. But you could say, you take like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> but like you could you know a rising Quidditch star, fame rags to riches type story all that shit anyway um they were so clearly they just they were like well we can't base it off the quidditch book we can't base it off the tales of Beale of the bard so we'll base it off the fantastic beasts we'll have newt scamander as our character and we will find a way to fit him in the story between dumbledore and grindelwald and i still have no I, I don't get why he's there. I still don't understand. Because the final confrontation will be between Grindelwald and Dumbledore. What will Newt do while that battle is going on? Nothing. He's not important. So we'll have a situation that we had in Lord of the Rings where maybe they'll give him something. Maybe he'll be the one to destroy the the, the, the thing. He'll use a magic beast to destroy the pendant and then Dumbledore and Grindelwald can finally fight. Maybe that's what they'll let him do. But we've got a situation like in Lord of the Rings where Frodo started off as the main character, but the actual hero's journey was Aragorn. Yeah, it's the Trinity, really, wasn't it? Exactly. So I, I don't know. We'll um, we'll see where the franchise goes. But this second movie, I, it the whole point was who is Credence, and by the end of the movie, all I could think of was I don't care, I don't care who yeah. Credence is. And it's like, it's like they literally like, it's. <laughs> It's not like they, they did, like, I know they did a lot of digging, right? But to actually get the answer, they didn't do a lot of digging. It was just Grindelwald going, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're a Dumbledore. That's it. Like, all of that could have been averted. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like such like a, it's like, it's like they went through the whole film and then in the final second, they went, oh, fuck, we got to find out who Credence is. That's the whole point of the film. And then they've just given, like, fucking Johnny Depp one line, like, I oh, just, just, can you just say this? It's like two months after the film's been like made. <laughs> it was like on set. They were like, they were like, "Hey Johnny, do you have any ideas?" And he was like, "I could say it's a Dumbledore." I was like, "Oh, perfect. Go do that. That, that works." But it's like, um, you know, a lot of the detective work in this movie is uh, Newt using detective mode to find Tina, and then Tina and Newt go to. Um, the records place because they're like there's something at the records place in the in the French Ministry of Magic. They gave up with the names. Just went, fuck it. Just call it the French Ministry of Magic. Who cares? There's the British. There's the American one. Just who cares? It's just the Ministry for Magic. So they go to the French Ministry of Magic. They find they look for the record thing, but they don't find it because it was taken by Grindelwald. So then they escape on that flying cat. That flying cat takes them to that grave, which was... Did Lita tell them to go there? Oh, what, the tomb? Yeah. It was Lita. um, But then, no, because remember when they were in the Ministry of Magic, 
the French oh, yeah. history of magic. When she was looking at the, the for the family history of Lestrange, there was like a note saying, "Oh, this file has been put into the tomb of the Lestrange." Oh right, so then, yes, yes, that's so why they went there. When they escaped, that's why they went there. After running from them weird little cat things, that never the weird Pokemon-looking motherfuckers. Yeah, it was it was just so sleek and clean and cartoony. Yeah, and then they turned into real cats. And what the yeah. fuck was that about? And then they they go into the vault, and then that's when we get our back to back backstories, which um, just what a waste of like ten minutes. Um, <laughs> that whole shit that he's just he's like, please, just someone tell me who I am. And then two separate people tell these big elaborate stories, and at the end he's like, so you don't know who I am? And they're like, no, sorry, <laughs> that's like, that's the point of that scene. <laughs> they have these really dramatic, like the lighting changes, and you see that that like thing floating in the air that represents yeah. the dead baby sinking in the ocean. By the way, in this movie, two dead babies. Grindelwald kills one at the start of the film, or he gets his oh, lackey to kill the baby. Yes. And then this, at the end of the movie, you hear that Lita <laughs> caused the kid to drown. That was a weird scene at the beginning. Yeah, two dead babies in one film. That's weird, isn't it? Anyway, so... <laughs> and then... Yeah! Women are terrible, and I fucking hate kids. <laughs> that's, that's the message I'm getting. So, anyway, um, you you get to the end of that sequence, and I'm like, okay, so they got, they got to Paris. They then got captured by that detective who was, like, under a unbreaking vow to avenge his father or some bullshit. Even, like the unbreaking vow isn't supposed to leave any scars, but then in this movie they specifically go, he's got scars, that means he's got an unbreaking vow. Which is, <laughs> well, that just contradicts the established rules, but whatever. Um, it's exactly like what you were saying. So then um, they uh, they go from that place to, the, I mean, they end up in Nicholas Flamel's house, whatever. That felt unnecessary. Hey, do you remember this guy from the first film? Well, here he is. He has the Philosopher's Stone. Wow, isn't that, isn't that wild? Um, so then, <laughs> then, then they go to the the ministry. Then they go to the grave. Then they go to the rally, and that's the end of the film. So nothing act, nothing happens. Nothing happens in this fucking movie. We don't learn anything. The most we learn at the end, like at the start, it's like we made a blood pact. That's why I can't fight. Then at the end, he's like, "Well, I've got this now, so maybe we'll fight him in the next film." And it's it's nothing happened nothing it just like okay queenie joined the evil side but her progression to join the evil side was also nothing she went fucking crazy between movies and like drugged her boyfriend and then he ignored her quite reasonable solution to be like why don't we just move to britain which is like okay well why didn't you tell him that before you drugged him and took him to britain like why like should you just say hey we could actually be together if we moved to the uk and then it's fine over there. Instead, she's like, I'm going to like enchant him and then take him to the UK. And then at some point, I will disenchant him and it'll all be fine. But okay, whatever. That's fucking weird. And then she wanders around Paris, gets abducted by Nazis and is immediately like, this is actually a good idea. I'm going to join Grindelwald. Like, what the fuck? What happened? Like, do- There's like no character progression. Sorry? Zero to a hundred real quick. 
Exactly. It's zero to a fucking million. It's like, she was like just some quirky, oh, you're such a nice guy, there's no one like you, to the next movie. I will kill all the muggles so I can fuck you. <laughs> like that. What? Like, where did this come from? Same with Tina. She was like a, a cute, quirky little, oh, I'm kind of shy and awkward, but you're kind of shy and awkward, so maybe we could be together. To the next one being like, fuck you, I'm going to treat you like shit because you're engaged. I'm not going to ask about the engagement. I'm not going to actually have a conversation and double check that this is what's going on. I'm just going to be like, no, fuck you. Like, what? It's a... Yeah. (sighs) (laughs) Nothing happened. A whole movie took place, and at the end of the movie, it was like all the... The start of the movie, who was Credence? You could have just fast-forwarded two hours, got right to the end, and Grindelwald would have gone, you're a Dumbledore. And boom. And that's it. That's it. You know? There's like... There's no need for any of it. No need whatsoever. Absolutely no need. I mean, it's just it's. You you found out that Dumbledore was. I mean, they implied that Dumbledore was gay, right? In this. Uh, well, this is this thing. Apparently, the next one, even though Grindelwald and Dumbledore don't kiss, it is very obvious and very explicit that them two were romantic. They were lovers, and they're very romantic towards each other in this in this new film. Apparently. <laughs> So because the second one you could sort of see it, but like, well, that was um, that was kind of some controversy after the last book was published. Is that Jake Rowling came? Out. I don't know if it was after the last book or after the last film, but she came out and she was like, Dumbledore was gay. He was gay all along, and it's never said in the books. <laughs> exactly. However, this one, there is stuff in the books that is a lot more seeded where. He does explain that he had a very close relationship to Grindelwald, and Grindelwald is in the High Potter books. He is—he doesn't get killed. He's in prison. You see him in Deathly Hallows. Um, uh, Voldemort, Voldemort's looking for the Elder Wand, and he goes to Grigorovich, a wand maker who had the Elder Wand at one point, and he says it was stolen by a young boy, who is um, Grindelwald. Which is why Grindelwald has it in this series, because he stole it from Grigorovich. So then Voldemort goes to Grindelwald in prison, and is because I think he's in prison in Azkaban, and he's like, where's the wand? And he's like, Dumbledore has it, because Dumbledore won it off him in combat. Um, he looks very different though, right? He looks very different. He's, he's bald, his face looks dead small, like he looks like a shriveled old man. But they they say that Grin, <laughs> yeah, Google him, up. Uh, Google him up. What? Google him. Google him up. <laughs> Google him up. <laughs> Trademark. Google him up. Um, they they sort of imply in the books that Grindelwald he he wouldn't give up. I don't think he would say. I think it's something like Voldemort tortured him, but he wouldn't give up where the other Deathly Hallows were or what happened to them. I think I don't because I don't even think Voldemort was looking for the other Deathly Hallows. I think he was just looking for the Elder Wand, and Grindelwald was like obsessed with the Deathly Hallows, same as Dumbledore. Um, that's why he has like the Deathly Hallows symbol and all that stuff. Like he was obsessed because he thought if we get all of them, we will become 
the most powerful being and we can do what we want. And Dumbledore was all for this. And then after the death of his sister, he kind of came around and was like, maybe we shouldn't be the superior beings. Maybe muggles aren't that bad type attitude. And Grindelwald was like, no, fuck muggles. And that sort of drifted them apart. But at the end of his life, Grindelwald being in prison for so long, it kind of like gathered a bit of empathy so he wouldn't give up the Elder One to Tom willingly. He didn't tell him what happened. It was like tortured out of him and I think he ended up dying. But it was like a, he sort of tried to hold his own and it's implied that he sort of, he felt bad for what he'd done in the Second World War and it kind of tried to redeem himself by stopping Tom getting the wand, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So the idea is that he isn't supposed to be, like Voldemort is just supposed to be pure evil because he was conceived under a love potion. So he is incapable of love and incapable of empathy. He just wants power and hates anything that he thinks isn't like him. Whereas Grindelwald is just, he's misguided and naive and a little power mad, but he's not supposed to be 100% evil. But does that mean that Voldemort's mom was raped then by the father? Uh, I can't, no, I think... I can't remember. Which, I can't remember which way around it is. I think the mum was obsessed with. I'm trying to remember my my Harry Potter history here. Um, the mum is from a family called the Mauves, or I think something like that, the Maves, and she was in love with Marvel. the owner of, not Marvel. That's um, that's Tom's Milner. Um, but it's that was like the name of someone else. Like I think I think it's a M A U V E is the surname of his mom, okay. and she, I think that's right. And she made a love potion because she was in love with in this like small town. She was in love with the guy who owned the the big manor house, the the Riddle mm. Estate, and she gave him the love potion, and sort of manipulated him and then he sort of came to one day and were like kicked her out the house and was like fuck you you're a witch and all this stuff and then I think she like I think she raised Tom Riddle on her own and sort of he went a little crazy and then he went gone there we go it wasn't it wasn't Maeve it was it was gone um that was the the woman Yeah, yeah yeah um and then I'm pretty sure I'm probably butchering this. I'll look it up for next week and I'll, I'll see if I got it right for next week. Um, <laughs> but no, here's some here's some good news, though, for this next film. One, we are getting more of an exploration between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. Um, because finally... Yeah, because finally, three movies in, the main character actually is a part of the story. So that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, also J.K. Rowling isn't the only person writing this movie uh, she is co-writing uh, she's co-writing the movie with the person who wrote all the screenplays for the Harry Potter movies um, which means he is very good at taking what J.K. Rowling writes <laughs> and translating it into a film Yeah. Cause, and the, the best example I have for that particular thing is Snape's um, memories in the Deathly Hallows. Um, Cause in the books, it jumps around a lot 
and you just kind of see stuff from Snape's perspective a little bit in this, but you also see a bit from Harry Potter, from Harry's perspective. I can't quite remember, but I do remember how that sequence ends, where in the book Snape is talking to the portrait of Dumbledore, and the portrait is like talking to him, and he's basically Dumbledore. He's like he's it's like a a sort of AI of Dumbledore that kind of has some of his memories, but acts like Dumbledore and all this shit. And he's talking to Snape, and is like. Um, there's like this whole bit where he's like, remember, you'll you'll need to make sure that Harry gets the sword of Gryffindor somehow, won't you? And then Snape, like, the way it's written, it's like he turns to the camera and goes, don't worry, Dumbledore, I have a plan. And that's how that sequence ends. In the movie, it's much more impactful, where you see him cast the Patronus, and then it cuts to the scene in the other movie where the Patronus leads him to the sword, and you go, you make the connection... Oh, he put the sword there. That was Snape. Um, yeah. he, he, so the guy who wrote it took what J.K. wrote yeah. and made it a little tighter and a little better with a bit more motion to it. Not a stupid, don't worry, Dumbledore, I have a plan. What? Fuck yeah, off. like some fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger shit, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I've got a bit more faith that what happened in this movie is J.K. Rowling went and wrote a script, handed it into Warner Brothers, and then Warner Brothers on the sly was like, hey, mate, can you just have a look at this, please? And can you, like, sort it out? And he was like, don't worry, I got it. Don't trust her anymore. (laughs) (laughs) She's fucked up the last two. Can you just fix this, please? (laughs) And then he's gone away, he's written it, and then on set, J.K. Rowling, like, every time a change came to a script, they're like, hey, J.K., do you want to look over there? There's some transgender people you got to go shout at. Go on, go on, J.K., go over there. And then she didn't realise that her script got changed. I'm hoping that's what happened. Uh, <laughs> because she just she's not good at writing movies no she's not she's not a script writer she's a fucking novelist you know what I mean? exactly like, exactly is. and i because i i she's not a dog shit she's pretty good writer she's a very good writer but ah she's she's an okay writer i mean she's done well like she's created one of the biggest franchises in history well that's what that's what i'm saying it's it's more the imagination of the world that has that's so captivating rather than the actual story if she was such a good novelist her other novels would do well oh no of course i'm not i'm not saying all the other novels i just mean the harry potter series like regardless of the writing the writing must have been to a good enough standard to have <laughs> to go to where it is yeah like don't like don't don't get me wrong. Like, like I'm not saying that she's like the worst writer in the world. I don't yeah, agree not. with some of her yeah. politics, but I think <laughs> that I I do think that you know her 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 writing wasn't her style of writing was a little um, basic, I suppose. Um, but also, like she's she's about halfway through the story, she clearly had like a setup ready. Um, yeah. And, like, she knew how she wanted to end the series. And she always says that, like, she had this image of Hagrid carrying Harry's body in the final battle. And you can tell she had that image from, like, the fifth book or the fourth book or whatever. Because when he actually does carry Harry, it means nothing. Like, he's barely in that last battle. He he barely gets a goodbye to Harry. That whole scene, like, strong imagery, but it has no weight to it. So clearly it's just done because she, she thought the imagery was cool. But also, there's a bunch of stuff that, like, it isn't until the sixth book that you hear about Horcruxes. 
And that is the main point of that last book is the Horcruxes. And then also in the last book, she also goes, oh, by the way, Deathly Hallows are important as well. And then the Deathly Hallows get thrown in. And they were like, Harry, Harry's invisibility cloak is one of them. Dumbledore's wand is apparently the most powerful wand in the world. Like, okay. <laughs> and there's some stuff that like pays off quite nicely. There's some stuff that like clearly is, was set up and she had ideas. But I think, um, I don't think it like the, the world and the mythology around the world is what made it so exciting. And also the idea that, um, it was like a world away from adults and parents and stuff. So kids, when they're reading them, like the idea of being able to go to Hogwarts and learn magic and you have your own kind of freedom and independence and you can do all this fun stuff. Like that was kind of like, it's the ultimate escapism. I think that's why it's popular. And the reason the Fantastic Beast stuff isn't so popular is because it doesn't have that same escapism. You know, because they're not going to like a separate little bubble world where... You know, they're learning magic and it's all wonderful and there's butterbeer, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, it's it's a zookeeper trying to fight a guy who's intending to stop the Holocaust. Like, that, that's true. not escapism. Yeah. That's just it's fucking bleak. One of the, against one of the most powerful wizards that has ever lived. <laughs> it, this, this, is a, this is a franchise about Steve Irwin taking on Hitler. Like, that's what this is. Yeah, it literally is. It literally is. I mean, it even kind of feels a bit Mr. fucking Beanish. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, John, no, Johnny English. Do you know how like, Johnny English, like the bumbling buffoon? It's kind of like that. It's exactly that. It's, it's it's get smart, it's all those things. It's just yeah. they're accidentally just bumbling around and falling into scenarios. And, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next one. <laughs> I, I mean, same, to be honest, but that's just because I want to get off the fucking island. But just, <laughs> it's a fucking day away, I don't care. But. <laughs> this, uh, this uh, you know, it's, it's fun, though, because um, the last Harry Potter thing, I, I saw um, live was the cursed child, and that was also with you. Fun. Yeah, so th- this should be well, this could be a little tradition. Anything Harry Potter related, we have to see together. The Harry Potter game, yeah. we got to play together. Do, I mean, to be fair, we've kind of got that with Tarantino now, though. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, any last, any closing thoughts on the Fantastic Beast films? The second one was pointless. Sorry, the second one was pointless. There's, it's not. It's not. Yeah, it was a bit That's pointless, wasn't it? But um, looking forward to the third one. Liked, I like the. I like the Fantastic Beasts they had in this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the base of the title, so. I, yeah, I guess that's the point of this franchise. <laughs> I wonder if there's going to be um, any Fantastic Beasts in the next one. There must be. They'll put like one. Like without like they'll, they'll fucking cram it in there. They're like, it won't be necessary, but they'll fucking put it in there. <laughs> <laughs> they'll they'll find there'll be like a scene where they go, look, there's a fantastic beast and like a a, a dragon or something will fly past the screen. The water, like. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, and everyone's like, hi, Mister Loch Ness monster, and then he swims off, and they go, wow, what a fantastic beast. Can you help us find Grindelwald? Well, I gave you the answers. You wouldn't have learned anything. 
<laughs> and then swims off. <laughs> well, thanks, Mr. Loch Ness Monster. You're the best. And then a unicorn comes up and is like, do you want to buy some drugs? Yeah. I've got some fucking... I've got some ketamine. Do you want to buy some ketamine? Yeah. <laughs> Can you help us find Grindelwald? I'll fucking... I'll say some ketamine right now. <laughs> I'll help you. Do you want to lick my horn, sweetheart? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Also, um, some... I have some... Uh, you didn't ask, but I'm going to say anyway. Um, I've got some closing remarks. Uh oh. Sorry, I, Thomas. I, Thomas, have you got any closing remarks? Oh, glad you asked. Um, yeah, I like the flashbacks to Hogwarts. Um, even though, again, it's kind of pointless because it, it, it spends a lot of time being like, look at this relationship between Newt and Leela Strange. Oh, she's dead. Never mind. <laughs> but it's it's nice going back to, um, to yeah. Hogwarts. Uh, also, um, I thought I find it funny when they meet that detective. I can't remember his name. But when they meet the detective, and they're like, he's clearly sketchy because they're they're like, oh, have you seen this woman Tina? Like she was, and he's like, no, absolutely not, absolutely not. And he's like, and then you goes, well, I guess we'll just have to report her missing. And then he's like, okay, I know where she is. It's that's so <laughs> that's so obviously sketchy. And then they're surprised when he locks them in a cell, like fucking stupid. Um, I find it funny that they introduced a MacGuffin because they were like, well, everyone liked the Horcruxes, so we should probably think of something that's like a Horcrux. So we get the little blood pact. Um, yeah. And I like the teleporting effect that the lion thing has. It goes through like that weird black void. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was where it's like the particle effect and all the bits of material like coming apart. I think that was quite cool. Oh, I, um, I also I also liked the um, do you know how like obviously every big bad wizard has their like calling card. I liked the um, Grindelwald's was just uh, like this black veil coming over the fucking yeah. city. That was really interesting. But like, which which also yeah. was that was that in the because. You know, we mentioned that the American one didn't have a wisdom world, but Paris does. Paris has a whole city as part of its secret wisdom world that you enter through a statue. And then they just have regular Paris streets, but it's wizard Paris streets. Um, Again, even though this is set in Paris, we don't actually meet that many French people and we don't learn much about French uh, wisdom culture, but whatever. Um, Why would we? (laughs) Why why would we? Um, So... Uh, when Grindelwald like produces the Black Veils, is that in the Wizarding part of Paris or is that in regular Paris? I think it's the Wizarding part, right? Like... You'd like to think, right? But then I'm sure there's scenes where like regular Muggles don't notice the Black Veils. Oh. But then it's also like if you are producing the Veils in the non-Wizarding world. Who is that for? Because there's no wizards in the non-wizarding world. Maybe it's just wizards wandering around, like in the in the non-wizarding world. Do you know what I mean? Because like yeah, they, they must walk places. Do you know what I mean? But then they probably operate. I don't know. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> yeah. Um, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> J.K. Rowling certainly doesn't. So why should we? 
Why should we? <laughs> um, yeah, we probably analyzed it too much for what she thought, but <laughs> she uh, all she thought was, um, "I want everyone to really care about who Credence was." And then right at the end of the movie, thought, "Fuck, I didn't think who Credence was." Shit, what do I do? <laughs> I got sidetracked. I'm sorry. <laughs> she was busy writing those big monologues about who Lita Lestrange was and who that other guy was and then she got to the end of that f- film and went oh actually neither of those characters are important and I've still not established Credence's identity shit what do I do I really I, I'm pretty sure Zoe Kravitz um, was Lita Lestrange in the first film you see a picture of Lita Lestrange in that first movie and it's kind of teasing that that's Lita and you will meet her in later movies so when you meet her in the second one, people are quite excited because it's like, oh, this must be a big character. Maybe there'll be like a weird love triangle thing between her, Tina, and and you. But then they just kill her off. And part of me thinks that Zoe Kravitz was like, I want out of this fucking franchise. I, I, the first one wasn't that good. I've read the script for the second one and it's not that good. I want out. Contract's done write me out the movie because I can't imagine because they sort of tease her in the first movie and they spend so much time developing her as a character just to kill her off yeah but I mean the only thing I can think of is if it's to like add weight to the movie because you need to have like, yeah make you make you invested maybe to, yeah maybe they tried to like build her up so much so quickly because they needed a big death because really like you could kill her off any of them characters, and I don't think it would affect too much anything. Obviously, Dumbledore, but you can't do that because he's still alive. But, yeah, you need him alive. But like, yeah, because you you right, you could start again, and you have Dumbledore as the, the main character in the third one. Tina, yeah, you kill her off. Fucking, and Queenie, you still have Lita as a love interest. Yep, Queenie, you kill off. You could you could probably you could definitely kill off Kowalski. Kowalski. Yeah, because he was written out of the end of the first movie anyway. Like he was like he was gone by the end of the first movie. So kill him off in the second. Why not? Every single character from the film, and you still have a franchise because because none of the characters we're following are actually important to the story they're trying to tell. Literally, (laughs) the only person you can't kill off is Dumbledore because he is actually one. He's alive in the future, and two, essential to the story. That's really funny. When do you think Dumbledore stopped wearing grey suits and started wearing like dressing gowns and robes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when did the fashion change in the wizarding world? Like <laughs> Like when when did he wake up and decide no no, grey three piece suits are out, robes and a matching hat, that's in. That's <laughs> the time. Yeah, like the hats, man. Like you can understand like the robes because they're meant to be wizards and like high up people. But like, they're wearing fucking hats, man. Like it's it's so bizarre that like he's he's so fashionable in these early movies, but he's got his little suit on and he's got his beard and his glasses and he's he's wearing a little like trilby, and yet like when he turns into um, when he turns into what's his name Michael Gambin in the later movies, yeah. obviously Richard Harris passed away, so Michael Gambin it is. Yeah. Um, but Michael Gambin, he had like a little flat cap thing on. He had grey robes with like long baggy sleeves and like a little cuff at the end. And he'd be like, 
you know, like like when did he start? I wonder if we'll see it in the next three movies. There'll be a bit where <laughs> there'll be a scene where 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 Dumbledore's like trying on a robe, and he's like, "Huh, oh, this." I think I might like this. And then in the next movie, like someone walks in, they're like, Dumbledore, what are you wearing? He's like, oh, just, I just thought I'd try something out. Do you think, like in the fourth movie, he's trying on a hat and he's like, oh, do you think, do you think the hat goes? And then by the end of the movie, he's, he's in this full regalia, wardrobe and everything. Like, I love it. I, I think I'd love to see it in like the fifth movie in like the second last scene, right? He's been wearing three-piece suits the whole way through. <laughs> but then just in the final two scenes, he just comes, he turns up in robes, but it's, it's fucking <laughs> doodle Yeah. Nobody, nobody mentions it. He doesn't, <laughs> nothing happens and he just, he turns up and, he, and that's him. He's just, he's in fucking, <laughs> the robes and the hat and then he's just, <laughs> that, that's him. They, they treat it like the end of the Snyder Cut where he puts on the black suit. <laughs> so oh, Dumbledore, yeah. Dumbledore's like he's like stood and he's he's got he's got like a row of grey three piece suits, but at the end there's a there's some grey robes and he puts those on instead. <laughs> the yeah, the doors to Hogwarts open and he's in his yeah, that's what he wears. Oh maybe maybe they'll do it like in solo, you know how solo was like oh yeah. this is where he gets his gun, this is where he gets his um yeah. his thing. Do you reckon or like in uh X-Men Apocalypse, where the reason Charles Xavier is bald is because Apocalypse like pulled all his hair out or whatever. Do you think there'll be a thing where there'll be like Dumbledore reads something where he's like, Oh, these robes, if I wear these robes, it will it will keep Grindelwald in prison or something like that. They'll come up with a reason why he has to yeah. wear the robes. <laughs> I reckon they will. They'll, they'll be they'll be they'll be like, oh this particular fantastic beast attacks people if they wear grey suits. So as long as you wear robes, this fantastic beast won't hurt you. So we if we fight if we fight Grindelwald and he's wearing a suit and you're wearing a robe, the beast will attack him. That's how we're gonna do it. That's how we're gonna win. I can't wait to find out. I can't I I kinda hope it's yours. I kinda hope just in the last scene Jude Law's in like a big baggy robe and no one no one addresses it. He, he's grown his beard out Oh, I'm excited. Oh. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited for the weekend. <laughs> I'm very excited for the weekend. <laughs> oh, perfect. Well, um, I think that wraps it up. We're, uh... Yeah. Do we like these movies? I like... I like the concept. And I like... <laughs> I, I, just I like the idea of what these movies could have been. Yeah, yeah, but I find that with a lot of films. I, I like, I like, what, <laughs> I like imagining what they could have been. So I, I get very excited to go and watch these films, but then I watch these films, I'm often disappointed. I think that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think what? Yeah, no. I was gonna say that. that, that yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. No. No, no. Go on. Say what you were gonna say. <laughs> no, because it's leading on to DC. Um, basically, oh, okay. like, I, I think that's the I think that's the whole reason why DC is so disappointing to me at the minute because I have really high hopes for what it could be. But <laughs> and then every time it just, it's like I was so excited for the Flash movie, and every every plot leak I've heard of the Flash movie has just saddened me. Do you know, like the the latest one is that apparently there's a scene in the Flash where because Flash fucks up the timeline, Zod kills Superman as a baby. 
And that's how they're going to get rid of Henry Cavill. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> There's a scene where's uh, I mean it's it's like a rumor it's not like confirmed but it's um it's uh, I I love the fact that they're like what do we do with Superman do we recast do we do we bring back Henry Cavill no we'll bring Zod back and we'll film a scene where Zod kills a baby that's that's what we'll do does that mean you have to bring Russell Crowe back as um Jor-El? Maybe, but he's he's put on a lot of weight since he played Jarrell. This is gonna be funny. Oh my god. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. The gift that keeps um, on giving. Anyway, so <laughs> Would you would you rather we had this Fantastic Beast series or would you rather the would you rather we had one off spin offs set in this universe? So instead of five movies telling one story, would you rather we had like a movie set during the golden age of piracy in the wizarding world i'll I'll tell you what i'd like (laughs) i'd I'd like one film dedicated to the houses i'd like one yes dedicated to like we spoke about the different magics yes i'd like one film dedicated to uh, snape's past and i'd like one film dedicated to padfoot wormtail um Oh, forgot the other. Oh, ones. Padfoot Mooney. No, fat. No, it's Padfoot. Wormtail. Mooney and prongs, but I don't prongs, think that's the right yeah, Padfoot Mooney. Padfoot. Prongs. I think it's it's like it's Mooney oh. Wormtail Padfoot and prongs. Yeah, yeah. That, I think that sounds right. Actually, yeah, I think you're right. Because like Mooney, Mooney was uh, Remus, Wormtail yeah, was um, Wormtail, can't remember his name, Scabbard, uh, Padfoot, that was him as a rat, but I can't remember his, his human um, name. Oh, um, yeah. Peter Pettigrew. Yes. Um, yeah. Sirius Black was Padfoot because he was a wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, James because he was a stag. Yeah. Uh, which is a cool is... fucking transformation. But... It's a cool transformation, but the worst nickname. Prongs. Prongs. <laughs> Prongs. Because he likes to fuck. <laughs> I, I, I'm the same. I'd like all those movies. I'd like a movie about the houses. I'd like a movie about uh, Marauders. I'd, you know what, right? I'd like a movie where Dumbledore has to fight his ex-boyfriend Grindelwald during the Wisdom War. And I'd like it to be just that. No extra bullshit. Just a focused movie about two people and their relationship. That would be nice. That would be nice. Not not a two-film pause when they keep going, ah, ah, we're going to get there. Ah, you might see it in the next one. What I'm fascinated about is in this next one, it looks like they are going to fight. But that, that's also how the story ends. So maybe they did just go, fuck it, make it a trilogy. We're done. <laughs> maybe this will be the last one. How pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I just want it to be over. I just want it to end. Five films is way too long for this franchise. Like, we thought the fucking Hobbit was bad. <laughs> they took one book and stretched that into three movies. They've taken a textbook 
and stretched it into five. It's not even a good fucking concept. Oh my fucking sweet Jesus. Well, tune in next week, folks. We're going to talk about Fantastic Beast 3. Maybe it's the last one. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, maybe it's the last one. Maybe it's not. We'll, we're all going to find out together. Um, but yeah, you you excited, Louis? Uh, beyond, beyond excited. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, follow us on social media. Do it like. Uh, uh, leave reviews, hurl abuse. <laughs> find my address. File. Fuck my wife and kill my kids. Do what you like. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week, everyone. Bye.